literally the only thing I know about Hercules Mulligan is from Hamilton. That's all I know about Hercules Mulligan. (laughs) Good news is that's not the topic of the show. (laughs) Not the topic of the show. Welcome to tonight's show. (laughs) Hamilton's coming to Charleston. I can't wait to get tickets. I'm so excited. They're going to be so expensive. Also, not the topic of the show. So, <laughs> welcome to Parenting Porcupines. This is St. Patrick's Day. There might have been some day drinking today. In the meantime, we're getting ready to go and talk about women in the liberty movement, the history of women in the liberty movement. Some really great show notes for you. They're out on parentingporcupines.com. And this, as always, is your Libertarian Moms. Thanks for being with us. Here we go. Season four, episode five, Founding Motherhood. We did Founding Fatherhood last season. We talked a lot about the Founding Fathers. We That's a phrase that sort of shows up a lot. But we don't necessarily hear about the Founding Mothers. And these are not just the women who were married to the men who founded the nation, but a lot of it is women who were just part of establishing the United States as a nation in and of itself, and the women who were part of the liberty movement from the very beginning. And our show notes have been created by our girl, Jessica, who is going to lead our conversation today on founding motherhood. So Jessica, bring it. Tell us all about what are we talking about tonight? What are we working on here with Libertarian Moms? When we first started thinking about how to frame our episodes for Women's History Month, we had you know a lot of different ideas. And one of the things I think we all agreed that we really should talk about are the women who started it all, right? Because we hear all these things about the founding fathers, right? Everybody knows names like <clears throat> George Washington and Alexander Hamilton and, um, you know, whoever else. There are, you know, tons of them, right? Benjamin Franklin and James uh, Madison, James Madison and Thomas Jefferson, yeah. like all these guys who were involved in the founding and building and, you know, all of that stuff. <clears throat> but we don't ever really talk about the women and people know names like Martha Washington, right? And we know who Betsy Ross is. Well, I, I hope everybody knows who Betsy Ross is. Uh, she created the flag. Um, but, you know, we Supposedly. don't. Uh, the legend anyway. Allegedly. She created the flag, but allegedly. But there are so many incredible women that were involved in the American Revolution that nobody knows about because nobody talks about them. Right. And so most of them actually worked as spies. And what they would do is they would use their positions within their households as mothers, as caretakers um, to spy on the British officers, because at that time, British officers could take quarter in your home and you could not deny them quarter. Right. And so they would um, they would just kind of keep watch. But there were actually some women who went to battle like totally kicked ass in battle, which is really cool, I think. Um, So uh, there was a movie recently that came out. um, It's on, I think it's on Peacock, maybe Agent 3, or it's called The 355. And it hinges off of a spy during the revolution 
um, George Washington created these networks of spies. And a lot of them were women and people didn't know that. But Agent 355 was a spy that to this day, no one knows her identity. And 355 in the code that they use translated to lady. Like that was the, like if you used the code and you spelled it out, it was lady. Um, there's a lot of speculation that maybe that was Anna Strong. Anna Strong is another name. Um, but it, a lot of people think that it might have been one of the uh, Strong family's slaves that had ended up in New York because she had occasion to spy on Major John Andre. And at one point, it is rumored that she actually saved George Washington's life um, by getting information to him uh, that she had gotten from John Andre being, you know, in his home. Um, and then Anna Strong, who would, she lived in the Saltucket Sound. And I don't know if any of you have ever seen the, the series Turn. It was a series on um, AMC, I think, some years ago. I mean, it was obviously fictionalized, right? But it covers a good bit of this. But she would use a petticoat to signal into the sound um, when it was safe for Washington's smugglers who would come into the Saltucket Sound to come in and they would exchange information and all that stuff. So I thought that was kind of cool. So many things that are really interesting to me about this idea of women being spies, right? So the first piece, like immediately I'm thinking, why does Washington, right, who we consider to be a really smart and savvy general, why does he choose women, right? And then mm -hmm. to your point about the British troops being quartered in mm -hmm. their house, what's the mentality that uh, they can just speak freely in front of these women mm -hmm. and not think that the women are going to do anything about it? And so those two pieces there of like, okay, here we have these sort of British troops being loose-lipped in front of people that they think are no threat. And then here we have this savvy uh, constitutional army general, you know, right? So using that. So what do you think, Melissa? Like, what, is there a history here? Like, do you think there's something to be said about like, are women fading into the background or what's happening here? I, I, I just want to say this is hitting home today. I, I'm watching <laughs> season four of the marvelous mrs mazel if you don't watch the marvelous mrs mazel on prime on prime video you are missing out it's incredible it is really good it is it's really good and and one of the she was doing a stand-up routine so it was supposed to be funny but one of the things she was talking about was doctors are, oh, ha, 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 I'm the king of the world. I'm the most important person. But nurses come in and they take care of you and, they, and they're the ones actually doing the heavy lifting. And maybe women rule the world. They just don't realize it. Mm -hmm. And this mm -hmm. sounds along the same lines. Like women are there and they do the heavy, but they're just dismissed and they're ignored because they're women. But if you harness that power, mm -hmm. it can actually, like, I don't want to say where 
we're not as dumb as you think we are, but similar, <laughs> well, something a, along those lines. Like, like we're more capable than you give us credit for. Paying attention. Well, we're we're living in a social construct called a patriarchy, and in the patriarchy, men are given the benefit of the doubt to be smarter, more capable, stronger, all these things, simply because they're men. Like that's how yeah. patriarchy works, right? So most modern social circumstances are patriarchal circumstances. And because of that patriarchal circumstance, and this is not in any way it's blaming our men anyone. who currently yeah. exist in this patriarchy. <laughs> it's simply to say that like the patriarchy is a thing and we're all currently living in it, right? Mm. And because of that, it's easy to see how, especially when patriarchy was even stronger than it is now back in the revolutionary days, somebody like a George Washington who would trust women to have this role and have this really <laughs> important thing where he would be able to say like, let's take advantage of the fact that other men don't think that these women are capable. Let's, let's press that advantage because we know these women can do this thing. So. Yeah. Well, and another one of these women, her name was Lydia Dara. And in the fall of, of 1777, the British forces had had some really big wins over Washington's troops, right? They had, they had really done some, some damage. Um, and Lydia used her place in the community to create this level of comfort with the troops. And some, some officers took up quarter in her home and she would spy on them. And here's the thing, like, I love this. I love this story. So she would actually, she had two sons. She probably had more than that, but one of them, the older son was actually fighting with Washington, um, his troops. And the younger one, I think was a, a young teenager, maybe but she would actually use her younger son and she would give him the intel in code, coded, written intel, and have him take it to his older brother to get it to George Washington. So, I mean, like these, these women are like, they're literally risking everything for this cause, right? This, this cause of liberty. Um, and there was actually one meeting where they ordered everyone out to their like to their rooms. They had to go in and lock the door. And she somehow snuck into a closet in the room where they were meeting and got all this valuable intelligence that thwarted uh, what would have been very bad for for Washington's troops. Um, and she did that by making a like a journey to get flour like she was going to get flour I thought that was just so cool and I mean she like trekked it through the the woods to get this information to where it needed to be so I want to talk a little bit more about that because we watched somebody number one take these risks right like make these sacrifices put herself in a position to be punished or suffer the consequences, but she does it because she believes in what's happening. She believes in what George Washington is doing, what the Revolutionary Army is doing. So when we think about the idea of women having a role in the Revolutionary War and their willingness, um, it, would you put this at equitable in terms of like, there are men that are putting on uniform and grabbing a gun and going out there to fight and possibly lose their lives, 
there are women who are hiding in room closets and listening and passing on significant information. Like, is this how women fought at the time? Nope. Because there was another lady named Nancy Hart <laughs> who was quite the warrior. She would dress as a man and she would act in, like incapacitated, like she was mentally slow or handicapped. And she would use that and wander into the British camps and spy on them. But she would dress as a man. Um, and she actually is credited for capturing British loyalists. And she was, she oversaw the hanging of some of them. Uh, apparently she killed at least one with her, you know, own hands. Um, so she was pretty active, <laughs> pretty active. Um, and they believe that she actually was present for at least one of the battles and actually fought alongside the men. So, so it's not all passive techniques and sneaking around. <laughs> no. It's passive some of it is like women yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, some of it's very legitimately going out there and just doing whatever it takes. So when we think about this, uh, so now there's a lot of stories coming out that are glamorizing, um, sensationalizing maybe is the better word for it. Mm -hmm. the women in Ukraine who are taking up arms against the Russians who would invade their country. When we think about that now and the way we look at women soldiers um, who serve in the military, who serve voluntarily, but as a career, as their job to serve in the military. Melissa, do you think like, is there a history of this, of women doing what it takes to support what they believe in and fight for what they believe in? Is this something that should be recognized and normalized. What do you think? Um, I can absolutely not point to any specific examples, but I feel like just in my own personal, the women I know and the situations I've been in, we do what we've got to do. And if what we've got to do is pick up a gun and go fucking shoot people, all right, that's what we'll do. I, if, so well, I, I, I don't know, but I, I just feel like the same, it's the same as men. If I've got to go do this to defend my family and to defend my, <clears throat> what I believe in, all right. I don't, I don't see much difference. Women are willing to do what men are willing to do. Mm -hmm. If it means my children are going to be safe, yeah. I'd enlist tomorrow. If, the, if my options were watch my children suffer or go to the front lines, all right, sign me up. I'm in. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I mean, it's like we hear, you know, a lot about, especially in South Carolina, probably not so much in other parts of the country. So anybody who's watching from other parts of the country are probably gonna be like, who? And if you are like, who? You need to look him up because he's a total badass. But, you know, we talk a lot about Francis Marion and mm -hmm. all of his contributions in creating and leading this militia in South Carolina that, that really, really put a dent in a lot of the you know, movement 
of the British troops here in South Carolina. Um, and I think they even refer to him as the, the father of modern guerrilla warfare or something like that. I don't know, but he was, he was, oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah. He was a, he was a pistol, but it's funny to me that they tell you all about Francis Marion, but they don't talk about Prudence Wright, who legend has it led an all female militia who would dress as men and carry their husband's weapons and would actually go head to head with British troops. So it's, it's funny to me that I'm, I'm, it's very interesting to me that we have conversations, especially, you know, in school and history um, classes and in curriculum, whether it's online school, public school. Um, I don't know how many homeschool parents are teaching these things. Uh, probably not very many, but it, it's interesting to me that we hear about all the men and there are women who are making this exact same contributions to this effort, right? To this, to this war. And we never hear about their contributions. Um, so I'm interested in how our conversation went from, we were talking about founding motherhood. Like we think of founding fathers and the founding, like, I don't necessarily think of James Madison and George Mason and Thomas Jefferson as like being the musket wielding, I'll fight the British on any front kind of guys. Like, I get it that they were like, let's go to war. But I assume that they were like sending other people to war on their behalf. <laughs> and so yeah. I kind of think of this idea of like founding motherhood as, are we watching women in the room where it happens? Are we watching women who are participating in the intellectual construction of what does this new nation look like? in the building of, you know, should we have three branches of government? Who should be running those three branches? Like, what does that balance look like? And we certainly aren't hearing that, right? Like, instead, what we're hearing is um, the, the men who are being ascribed the um, credit for having come up with these like brilliant democratic ideas. And so I wonder about like our founding motherhood, like I'm not in any way surprised that women pick up arms to do what they have to do to defend their family, to defend their community, to defend their children, to, to assert their own sovereignty over what they believe to be the thing that they are the most protective over. I'm curious more than anything about why they're being shut out at the same time, because here's George Washington <laughs> recognizing how valuable they are by asking them to do these, these things, right? Asking them to spy, asking them for information. And then despite their value there, ignoring that they could possibly be able to make the connection between what they heard and what happens next. Like, where's the, where's the founding part? I guess is what I'm saying is like, we have this, we have the mothers, we have the, the hood piece, but we don't necessarily have the founding piece because they're still being shut out of those really important conversations around what does the future look like? And I'm, I'm frustrated by that. Every time I hear about these really brave, amazing women who gave everything they had to fight for liberty and fight for our country, I'm just angrier that they weren't at the damn constitutional convention, that they weren't even in the room. Well, and, and I, 
Oh, go, 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 Melissa. Yeah, yeah I, I, I've got to say, I we homeschooled for a bunch of years. And as a libertarian, as a woman, as a mother, it never even crossed my mind to ask that question, which is at the root of the question you're asking. It never even crossed my mind to ask, where are the women? I just accepted it and moved on. Like, this is this is what happened. Do we ask where the women are? No, we just go along our day. So, and yeah. it's interesting when you think about that, too, because, I mean, obviously, these women were physically instrumental in that they were sacrificing their lives to do these things, that they were, um, you know, doing things that that could could endanger their lives. Right. And they did it in a way that was so smart. I mean, it was so smart and it was so calculated. And how is it that they were smart enough to serve that purpose, but somehow weren't considered smart enough to be part of those conversations, to be in the rooms where it happened, right? Like, I agree. It's very frustrating. It's frustrating to think about. But, you know, back then, I think women were property, right? Like, I mean, we were, we were property. I mean, that's, that's all it was. And it, it's a shame because these, these women were, were brilliant. And these aren't the only ones. I mean, there's a list y'all, a long list of women who made contributions. And I'm not talking about just in battle. I'm not talking about just as spies. I mean, they wrote, you know, there were writers, they were um, seamstresses. There's a, they were one of our um, listeners posted about Mary Eliza Mahoney, who is, and I'll put the link into our show notes so people can see it, but is about a woman who became a nurse and led the way in in nursing and we look at people who have these so there were women who were leading in their traditional roles and their what they were allowed to do right what their what their traditional sort of um the expected place for them was and then there are the people that are um leading outside of that and some of them mm -hmm. are having to do it by dressing like men by uh, Joan of Arc you know what I mean like this mm -hmm. this sort of Joan of Arc mentality of like sort of I'm just going to do this whether you want me to do to or not um and then in there are places inside even our patriarchal history where we see men saying these are the the future, This, these are the, the contributors in my social circle. These are the contributors that are going to bring forward our new society. These are the, the people that are going to help usher in a better social opportunity for us. And then there's this like contingent of men that are threatened by those women that don't agree with those women that are saying things like, and yet she did persist. You know what I mean? Like, where you're just like, seriously, dude? <laughs> you know what I mean? Where at some point you kind of go, I mean, she has a, and, and so now we're looking Have at a situation where, yeah. 
Yeah, we're looking at women are graduating from college at a much higher level than men are, right? Um, we're watching women come out, 77% of valedictorians are female in high school. 77% of high school valedictorians are female. What that means is that women have figured out that if they get the grades, they can achieve, right? And yet, as they come out of the work, out of the, out of college, they go into a workplace that says to them, if you have kids, you have to stay home, right? Like if you're going to be a caregiver for your family, you're going to work part time, like where they're having to choose between what is home life and work life actually look like. And until companies start to figure that out, figure out that and until God bless political parties start to figure out that you like these women have to be given the support that they need the same way that the men have always gotten the support they needed to step forward. And I don't know what the answer there is. I just know that they're not getting it. Like I just know that we see female candidates step forward and when their husband is there in support of them caring for their children their husband is emasculated and he's criticized and he's called weak and all these other things and how long can he put up with that before he finally is like i just can't do this anymore you know what i mean like that's that's when you were talking about the wife deciding to stay home and raise the kids and what if the man does it? Uh, uh, it makes me crazy. Yes, as someone, it's between the husband and wife. That's the discussion. It mm -hmm. shouldn't be a public discussion. Whoever decides to step forward as the public face of if I was the one that runs for office and decides to go for the high paying job, it should be just as accepted as if it, that's my husband who decides to step forward and decides to go for the high paying job. That it should be a familial decision, not a societal societal decision. If the, I don't we know, know that's, that's but we know that's not the case because we've yeah, seen even like when Nikki Haley was governor. And the way the the campaigns that emasculated her husband, despite the fact of being a damn war veteran, yeah. like the man yeah. has proven his masculinity, but because his wife stepped forward, he apparently isn't enough of a man for South yeah. Carolina. Like what in the world? I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm frustrated by that because I think that's got a big part to do with this conversation about founding motherhood. When we think about these women who could have stepped forward in a more meaningful way, but a lot of times didn't because it would have threatened their own man's position. Yeah. And that or is any man or any man's position. The entire I mean, really. family's yeah. position. That's, that's yeah. It's, it's if if my husband can't extreme. make a living, my family goes hungry because he is the main bread holder in this situation. So imagine but, if anything you did it negatively impacted his career. <laughs> that's crazy. And, and we're me, but okay. <laughs> but we're we're fortunately in an era now where like you're you're behaviors his don't. boss will never see this no but if you go back to <laughs> <laughs> 
But if you go back to even, I mean, even just 30 years ago, there were things like the boss calls him in and goes, we've seen your wife raising money for, you know, gay people and you needed to get her in line or your future with this company. You know what I'm saying? Like that was, those were tactics that were used even in the sixties and seventies. I mean, it's crazy, but it's true. Like that shit still happens. Yeah. I don't know. This took a weird turn. We were talking about these badass women that were like, just kind of feared up. Just kind of like that way. Amazing in the Revolutionary War. And then all of a sudden we were like, but why didn't they write the Constitution? I don't know. That's just me wishing they could have been more badass. But anyway. Well, before we go. Before we go, I do want to mention one more because I would be remiss as a South Carolina mom and a South Carolina libertarian if I did not mention the daughter of South Carolina, Catherine Berry, who is from Catherine Berry, B-A-R-R-Y, and she was from Spartanburg, and um, she, she fought alongside her husband in battle and she's credited with being a spy as well. Um, and according to the accounts, she was instrumental in the battle of Calpins here in the upstate. So I thought that was really cool too. Our very own Catherine with a C Barry with an A. We did that, so. that over the summer. My kids and I went to Calpins. Mm-hmm. It was wonderful. I, I highly yeah. suggest everybody go to Calpins and yep. 96, and King's Mountain. But there's a list. I, I mean, there's a summer. Oh yeah. yeah. There's there's a whole <laughs> list of these women that you can, I mean, you can do a Google search of women, you know, women in the revolution, and you can find examples of women who used their talents and their um their abilities in many different ways. And I think that, you know, as mothers. And as fathers, for all the dads that watch, um, I think we should make an effort. I think we should make a bigger effort to talk about these women, too, and talk about their contributions and not just during Women's History Month. Right. I think we should do it all the time because I think not allowing our daughters an opportunity to know what power they hold and not. instilling in our sons an appreciation for that same power. I think that's detrimental to our future, future generations. And I think we should be doing a better job of, of, of talking about these incredible women and not just, not just women during the revolution. I mean, you know, the women of the civil rights movement, the women of the original feminist movement, which I think we're probably going to talk a little bit about maybe next episode. Um, But you know, we need to do better. We need to do better. I think you're right about that. And I think that a good bit of it is number one, knowing their stories. And then number two, sharing their stories and being intentional about that and recognizing that the history we've been delivered all these years has been delivered to us to serve a specific purpose, which is the perpetuation of the patriarchy. And so if you want to consider the possibility (laughs) of 
dismantling said patriarchy because patriarchy doesn't just hurt women. In fact, it hurts everybody. It hurts men by setting unrealistic expectations and it hurts women by keeping them from being able to fulfill their full potential. Go, Melissa, go. I know you're like ready to say no. <laughs> oh. Sorry. I'm sorry. Don't it be, used, don't be, don't be. used to be the only the only access you had to information was what school teachers, mm -hmm. the public library, maybe if you made it to like a state archive, mm -hmm. maybe you'd have access to the information. You have the entire internet. The whole world is literally all the information is there. Your fingertips. You just have to fucking go and right find here. it. You just have to care. Yeah. And go and look for it. Yeah. Take it's, that time. It's not like it's 35 years ago where we had no information except what our teachers told us. Well, now be, All be fair. You have be to. Be fair because these people are now having to choose between consuming entertainment and consuming and fact. actual factual stuff that will make them better people. So like, I would suggest, if you I would say they're watching if you us, they want to be better people. Well, hold on. We're just out here for entertainment. You can take the 30 minutes you would spend scrolling Facebook, but don't take the 30 minutes that you spend watching Parenting Porcupines. Because <laughs> this is, not this is important. You were going and I love it. <laughs> All right. have, I think at this point, sufficiently recognized that what we're building I'm is sorry, more of this content that we're comment. hoping people will, will review and consume. Go find the things that we've been suggesting to you, our slide deck, our slide deck, our show notes out there on parentingporkyminds.com, specifically the founding motherhood. Uh, these, there's links there that Jessica has put in there that will help you read more, learn more, find more about the founding motherhood. I'm grateful to you, Jessica, for pulling this together. This has been Parenting Porcupines. <laughs> I mean, every week it's a brand new adventure where we try to figure out how <laughs> to smash the patriarchy. That is the word for it. It's an adventure. Smashing the patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs>